I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, Jay, you there? How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all good. Um, thanks again for having me. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Oh, great to have you, mate. Great to have you. Uh, Jonathan, you there? Hi, hi, mate. You okay? Hi, everyone. Hope everyone's had a good day. Uh, good, good to see everyone. Uh, great stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, I think we've given plenty of time for everyone to jump in. Um, I reckon we get on with it then. Okay. Um, hello, guys. Hi. Welcome to another Beast Tactical Twitter space. Uh, I'm David Anderson. Cheers for joining us. Um, yeah, you've just heard from then. I'm delighted to be joined again by Jay Harris. He's the Brentford beat writer at The Athletic. Jay, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good, thanks. I'm expecting to be uh, grilled about one topic in particular, but... Uh, <laughs> we'll, I'll leave it. I'll, <laughs> of course, or Mads Bidstrip, as, as someone else jokes, <laughs> but I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> and Jonathan, yeah, you're good. Jonathan's a performance analyst, guys. Um he works at a professional club. He's not allowed to tell you who he works for, so don't ask him. But uh, yeah, it's great to have him on one of my favourite football minds. Jonathan, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really well, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, a little bit intimidated. So many people listening, but um, amazing at the same time that everyone's so engaged and uh, yeah, willing to hear our terrible opinions, but actually <laughs> buzzing. <laughs> Just imagine them all naked. You'll be fine. Um <laughs> Uh, just wanted to say, guys, the boring bit, like at the outset of this, so this is being recorded. So if you do come up and speak, if you are, uh, if you want to put your hand up or say something, you will be on the recording of this. So just wanted to make you aware. But um, yeah, OK, that's the boring stuff out of the way. I reckon we get on with it. Um, so, yeah, pre-season's over. It's done. It's all closed off. Um, closed off with a 1-0 win over Real Betis and another clean sheet. Um Frank was pretty buzzing after the match on Saturday. It, it wasn't a top, top, top performance. It was a, it was a good performance. Um, I actually thought it was a really, really good performance. Actually, I was quite impressed. Um, I think we did really well. A um, few days away from the Premier League starting proper now, and our season opener against Leicester. Jay, Jay, you kick us off. Like, how have you viewed pre-season as a whole? Um, what have you got from the coaches? Seems to me like it's had a really nice crescendo to it, hasn't it? I think we all came on a week or so ago and there was a little more um, maybe maybe anxiety, maybe trepidation about the season just because of some of the, the pre-season results and obviously the one, at, the one at Wolfsburg in particular. But I think three wins over the last week against Arsenal and Real Betis has definitely improved the mood. You can really see the kind of difference in performance, um, even from Brighton and, and Real Betis. The Real Betis game was, was, was definitely a step up. So it looks like they're in a, in a really good place. I think... Um, I was really encouraged to see Brentford 
try out multiple different formations on Saturday. Um, we obviously saw 4-3-3 and then we also 3-4-3 and Arsenal was frank a little bit about that in the post-match press conference and he said it's something that uh, he wants to use a little bit more. We, you know, we've gone over to death about some of the issues last season with trying to find the, the right attacking combinations and, and that 3-4-3 for the final half an hour on, um, on Saturday where you had uh, Godos at left wing back and Bumo at right wing back and then Lewis Potter, Tony and Visser up top was uh, was frightening to behold. So it'd be exciting to see that. So I think the team's in a, in a really good place that had a Sunday's game. Yeah, Jonathan, I'll bring you in there because Jay's um, gone into like the shape and stuff. Like th- those shape changes in games, like how much harder does it make it to analyse a game from um, an opposition analysis perspective? Like you're, you're trying to get, you're trying to like get a, a read on these teams, but Frank's really keen on like switching these formations up. Well, I'll start with Jay's even surprised me straight off from there because the way I was reading it from the uh, West Ham behind the goal, I was actually seeing more of like a, a 4 3 1. Um, and that was like Lewis Potter playing in, in like the 10 and then the behind quite a fair bit. So even straight away, how you interpret a formation, it like really differs in and out of out possession. Um, but yeah, no, as just a echoing Jay, like we look so much more flexible and the signings that we're making uh, gives us that tactical. Uh, uh, flexibility, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, I, one thing that I've mentioned quite a lot on this podcast before is that I felt like last year, especially through the injuries, which wasn't, you know, uh, our fault essentially, but I felt we'd become a little bit stale, five three three five two formation. So if the fact that we can really mix that up, um, we are a bit more of a known quantity this season. So to keep it a little bit more different, keep, other opposition guessing, I think it's it's only going to pe- benefit us so much more this year. Yeah, yeah, certainly, I agree, I agree. Um, what what do you think look better? What do you, do you think? Do you think the first half of these matches are looking better? Because it looks like he's starting with a four, isn't he? And then he's four three three or four one, or four two three one, and then moving into the the three five two or, or flexing up with wing backs in the latter parts of games. What he prefers, Jonathan? Do you reckon he wants to? Which which way do you think he's going to go? Oh, it's, it's that is a tough question. I think, I think he's going to look to perhaps go for more of a three-three away from home. I think that was kind of the sort of the trend that we saw last season. You know, uh, i.e. a Chelsea game, um, and then perhaps more of a four-three-three at home. Um, I, it's an impossible thing to say. Um, I would say on the transition when we're playing a three-four-three, I think we do look a bit frightening. I think we look really, really good going forward. Um, and with the, I think when you've got their multiple options going forward now, and then with a fit Norgard and Yanel just sitting in front of them, uh, the back three, I think uh, I think it really complements us really, really nicely. Um, but as I said, anything can be interpreted the way you like. Um, and with Hickey as well, like really, really good wing back and Henry going forward, uh, it just gives us a really nice balance. Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. Um a player who uh, got the decisive goal on Saturday, Brian Mbemo. Um, we can't not talk about him. It's a quality finish. Um, Jay, it's this week. I don't know how many you've done, actually. Is it this week's piece? But you've added Brian Mbemo into your player section that you think like the player is going to impress the most. You've got Wisser in there, but Mbemo follows just underneath. Um, talk to us about why. Yeah, I'll start on uh, Visser first, just because he was, he was topping the, the player to watch bit. Always felt like uh, last season, and, and Thomas Frank even admitted it himself, Visser was never really at 
percent he was scoring goals even though he'd never fully adjusted to the team yet which is to be expected when a player you know comes into a new club he joined really late in pre-season I think he only joined a couple of days before the before the Arsenal game last year so he never kind of got that time to to understand the team and then obviously he had an injury and then he had COVID so it felt like a lot of times where he was getting up to a hundred percent not just in terms of scoring goals but off the ball um, he'd suffer some sort of setback um, so that's why I think and again, I asked Thomas Rank and he said one of the stand-up performers for him in pre-season was Visser. So I think that's why I put Visser number one. And then Mbumo, it's simply because every time I watch him play, I just see this really talented individual, only 22 years old, which I think people forget. And um, he's now been in England for, what is it, three seasons. And I just always expect to kind of raise the levels each season. He's still got four goals and seven assists last year, which I think is a really respectable return for a young player in the in the Premier League. Um, and I just think the luck will his way a lot more this year. I think he hit the he hit the woodwork seven times last year or something ridiculous, didn't he? And I just think he'll hopefully um we'll see a bit more of a clinical edge from him this year. And and, and he can be a game changer on his day, no doubt about it. Yeah, Jonathan, we've spoken many a time about uh Brian and Bemo's inefficiency in front of goal on the Beast Tactical podcast. Um, biggest expected goals discrepancy in the league last season. It's been published everywhere. Everyone's been going on about it. Um, the goal he scored against Bet- uh, Betis on the weekend, like just drifting in from the wing and then getting getting beyond the front post um, and feeding off a cutback from the left, like he plays on the right generally, or he's up front with a two. Like, like Jay's um, obviously quite hot on him improving and he does everything right. But do you, is that is that something repeatable you think that he can produce? Or is this is that it? like are we are we gonna just see these barren spells again? <sighs> um can't see into the future, so I can't really answer that. But um what I would say about Brian is that finish on Saturday, I think that sums him up really, really nicely, where it's instinctive. Um he hasn't got too much time to think about it. And he is essentially when Brian has got the ball. He is one technically one of the best finishes we have. Um, just whether you want to call it bad luck or just poor finishing, it, it just didn't, at times it, sh- it didn't quite go his way last year. But uh, what I'd say with Brian is there is a player there, very um, echoing what Jay's um, comments there. I think there is a player that once he gets it right and finds a, um, a, a run of form, I think there will be, you know, we're looking at a player with a very, very high high value. Um, but yeah, I think he's still very young. Um, he will drift in and out, I, I, I presume, uh, of, of form this season. But I, I do expect a, um, a lot better returning goals and assists this year. Um, because, yeah, he has absolutely had a, um, a much better pre-season. He's, he's looked good. Um, I think he's. I think he's a lot fitter as well. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Like, he, he, there's certainly a very, very good player there. Yeah, his devout fans are just hope. Like, they're hopeful. This is the start of him redeeming himself, aren't they? Um, I think it's that time we've got to talk about it. So Brian and Bemo could play wide on a front three. Can play up front off a striker. There's a player that's coming in who might be trying to fill his spot. Um, let's do it. Mikhail Damsgaard, Jay, what, what have you got for the latest for us? <laughs> it, it was only a matter of time. It was inevitable. Um, I do need to kind of double check on what the latest situation is, but I think it's kind of been widely reported elsewhere that he's looks to be on his way to the club. Um, I don't think a medical has taken place just yet. 
I think that will happen in the next couple of days, hopefully. Um, but I think it's important to point out, and I think this has been well documented part of last season, um, because doctors discovered he had a form of arthritis. Now, I'm, I'm not a medical expert, so please do not ask me any questions about what form of arthritis he has or how it kind of impacts him. But um, I think he missed five months in total. Um, originally, it was a thigh injury. Then he had knee surgery. And then they picked up um, that he had a form of arthritis. So he missed most of the season, came back in April, played a few times for Sampdoria. And then he played a couple of times for Denmark in the Nations League. So he has come back and played since. So I think that's something that will obviously uh, need to be looked at. But hopefully um, he's absolutely fine to play and, and, and become a really, really special part of this team. Yeah, the injury concerns, it, it seems like a moot point, don't they? That, that he, he has missed a lot of football. This weekend, he's actually just come back and he played, I think, 18 minutes against Bessic Das. Um, he played left wide forward and just did all the things. That, he, he looked a bit light. He did look like he'd missed a lot of football, but receiving the ball high on the wing and just trying to turn quickly, take players on. Um, it, it doesn't look like it's an issue for us. We we seem to not be fussed about these injuries and and it's only this one season. If you look back at his career, he's just played lots of football each year, each season. So it's not like he's missing games regularly over a long period of time. It might just be something that is going to clear up. Um, yeah, it'd be great if someone was in here that knew a little bit more about arthritis to chat. But um, we'll all uh, just assume that it's good for us and um, he's not he's not going to cause any sort of any sort of issues. But Jonathan, where a lot of people will know him for scoring screamers for Denmark. He's come up through the Nordeslad ranks. Um, he played with Skov Olsen a little bit and he looks like a talented boy. Quite slender, quite lightweight still, but he's only going to fill out in the Premier League. Where Jay mentioned earlier that, uh, sorry, it was you actually, you mentioned that 4-2-3-1. I think that, that position ahead of those two pivots could be really good for him. Um, there's others talking about him looking a bit like Ericsson. I, I see him a little bit more attacking than that. Um, what sort of player do you see in, in um, Damsgaard? Yeah, I mean, um, if we go back to that, uh, the Euros with Denmark, uh, just because of the, the Norgaard link and uh, Jensen, I, managed, I was watching quite a lot of Denmark and he was by far the standout player. He was so, so good. Um, and he was playing, um, just what you said, in a, in a 3-4-3, just behind the centre board on the left-hand side. So they, that gives us that sort of option. Um I can actually see him kind of fitting into that Ericsson role in a 4-3-3. Um, I, I see him as someone who's very comfortable picking up the ball from deep. Um, he, but again, when we've got the ball, say, in our first phase with Raya, he likes to, he will look to drift into those spaces and receive the ball. Um, he's got a good pass on him. He's, his, his shooting is, is very, very good. And this signing is, is a typical Brentford signing, in my opinion. You know, we've seen someone that... Um, Similar to Ericsson, oh, he's you know he's had six months out. Um, you know, perhaps his value is so much less than what it was from the Euros, and we've taken advantage of that. And we see a player that, that has that potential then to get back to that heights. Um, but yeah, he he can play in in a in a four three three in a, in, a, in a three day. He can play out wide on the left. Uh, he can play in a ten, um, and that that just gives you that that brilliant option. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, I can personally see in that four. If we were to go to a four-two-three-one, for example, I think having that option, guard or a Keen Potter, Lewis Keen Potter in that number ten position, uh, where one who likes to go in behind, there was that one moment where Lewis Keen Potter um, really stretched the Betis uh, back back line, and you know he, he looked going uh, going behind. Whereas Damsgaard, you're very um, that 
in that sort of pivot, likes to receive the ball to feet. And it's just, it's, it gives you options, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, no, it's an exciting, it would be such an exciting acquisition. Yeah, Jay, how about you? Are you excited by Damsgaard? Yeah, really excited. And I think I just kind of want to echo what, what Jonathan said. He can definitely play in a more central role, but I don't want people to um, assume and kind of fall for the, the line that a few places are kind of saying that he's Ericsson's replacement. They're two very, very different players. We became very accustomed to Ericsson dropping quite deep, drifting out to the left and picking up the ball and kind of pinging it all around the pitch. Whereas Damsgaard is such a good dribbler. He's going to drive at defences and he's going to cause defenders to commit. It's actually something I've I've written about. So watch out for, for that in a couple of days. He's, I find it a little bit strange that Damsgaard, Visser and Lewis Potter, all of their best positions seem to be on the left, which again, as Jonathan said, you'd expect one of them is going to play in that central role and it feels like it would be a Damsgaard. And it is a typical Brentford signing because he's got the qualities to, to provide creativity in a central area, but in a very, very different way. And we've also seen Brentford over the years mould players into to slightly different roles. So they would have done that. He's clearly got the potential to excel there. But I just think... If you're looking at a, a front four, say, of Mbuma, Vissa, Tony, Damsgaard or Keen Lewis Potter in whatever com- in whatever combination, that's really exciting. And when you look at that, that's real Premier League quality. That 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 I know a lot of people outside of the club are talking about second season syndrome and you know Brentford are gonna find it harder this year. But I just look at that forward line and think that's got real quality. It's got different options and it and it's unpredictable. And I'm really excited to to hopefully see it live in the flesh very soon. Yeah, that forward line would terrorise um a few defences and they'll have to they'll have to think a lot about how they stop them. Um I don't know if anyone here listened to it yesterday or was tuned in, but Phil Giles did an interview with Bees United yesterday and was asked a few questions about strikers and um, options up front. And he's, he kind of said, we need to get a striker that would just be happy to sit behind Tony and not cause too much of a fuss. Um, it does, he's getting a lot of these attacking midfielders and attacking forwards and wide forwards who who can slot in and play that central. A lot of a lot of what Damsgaard's done, just ghosting into the box, scoring tap-ins. He's obviously, the, the glory highlight stuff shows his long-range stuff, but getting into the box and hitting the box well, really good movement in there, comes alive in there. I'd be surprised to see him play centrally. Jonathan, what do you think of that? Who's that, sorry? Who, who That's Damsgaard, just, just playing, if, if something was happened to Tony, for instance, like actually him leading that line as well. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, and, but this is the thing, you know, Wissard was a centre-forward, fo- Mbwemo's played centre-forward, uh, there are there are options. The one player we haven't mentioned either is um, Defozoglu, who I think's also had a very very good um, preseason in in spells. Um, so yeah, potentially you could play, potentially play there. Like it's, again, it's just you know brilliant options, and um, it's it's going to be hard to dislodge Tony, isn't it? You know, in that in that that, uh, that forward line. Hence why I think Marcus Force has kind of had to cut his losses and go elsewhere. So um, yeah, no, it's it's just it's exciting, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, if you want, if you want to jump in with any questions, guys, as well, you want to ask anything to our speakers, um, chuck your hands up, and we'll try and get you involved too. But I was just thinking back to the last player we signed from um, Italy, who had a bit of a rough time with injuries, and he didn't do too badly. His name was Christopher Norgard. He came over and uh, he kind of took the championship by storm after having a bit of a stop-start season in Italy. Um, he was um, he was beam on Saturday and looked pretty good at the base of midfield. Impressive his performance, Jay. Yeah, I think this was um, 
a critical player. <laughs> and um, it did make me laugh. I think Tom actually the only manager who will who will actually reveal that certain players are in his lineup a week before the game kicks off. So um, it did crack me up when I asked him in the press conference after the game. I, I, you know, it was good to see Norgard back. And I thought he'd be a little um, maybe cagey about whether he'd start against Leicester. But no, straight away he turns around and talks about clubs needing their best players and, and that Norgard would start against Leicester. He is just a cut above. Um, he is a real, you know, he won all of those Player of the Year, Year awards last season for um, a reason. Because he just brings a, a completely different touch to the team. He's so classy. Um, I know Pontus Janssen's obviously the captain, but... I think if you watch the way Norgard and Thomas Frank um, communicate with each other and interact with each other, it's very, it's very, very clear and very obvious that they've got a really, really tight um, relationship. And I think sometimes I'd almost describe um, Norgard as like Thomas Frank's lieutenant. Seems to kind of be um, him on the pitch and he's always the first person he relays information to. So to just have him... He's got 60 minutes in the tank and to, to kind of have him fit and ready for, for the start of the season when there are key injuries in, in other areas is just so, so important. So it was great to see him back. Yeah, he's definitely his eyes and ears on the pitch, isn't he? Those those slip through balls as well, like just when we're building up from the back and then um, you've got two forwards just quite narrow and then you just slip a ball and Norgard's away and turning. Um, it's quite impressive to see. Uh Dapparapa, I just brought you up to speak. You wanted to speak um, before you there. You got something you want to follow up on? Yeah, I am. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you all for, um, you know, holding these spaces. It's it's good, especially since I'm in the United States. It's hard to find Brentford content over here. Um, and secondly, uh, obviously, there's still more rumors out there about forwards Brentford are interested in, like Mudrick. But like you just mentioned, it's difficult to see them bringing in so many left-sided players. Um, but I'm more curious about the left side that we have already with Wisa and Lewis Potter. Obviously, Lewis Potter is the current Brentford record signing, but Wisa really showed a lot last season. So I'm curious to see how do you see them at this point split the left-wing role? And how do you see... Um, you know, it's difficult to see Brentford bringing a player like Lewis Potter in just to sit behind Wiesa. Could it be just a whoever's hotter situation? Yeah, good points, actually. Um, yeah, cheers for coming on. No problem for hosting them as well. It's um, easily done. Uh, I think I think this season is going to be different, firstly, because of the five subs. So that that's going to come into play and there's going to be more options you can and the more tactical changes you can make during games. And then other teams also have the option to make five subs. So uh, I think there's going to be game time. And um, Phil Giles also slipped out that Thomas Frank would love to go deep and win a cup. So there's going to be games for these guys. Um, Jonathan, Jay, do you want to jump in on that as well? Yeah, I don't mind uh, taking this. Um, yes, Keen Lewis Potter is obviously club record signing. Um, and that's, that's a big investment. But that's an investment for now and for the future. You know, he's still only... 21 years old you know he's never played at this level before you know he he played in a in a very how should we say in a struggling whole side last year so kind of stepping up to this level is going to be a completely different challenge for him and I think Visser really deserves kind of holding down that left wing spot for for the foreseeable future so I think he'll definitely start the season there and I think it will kind of be 
Lewis Potter's job for the beginning of the season to to keep all of those players on on their toes and kind of push them. And and if he is performing better and he's performing well off the bench, um, then he'll get an opportunity to start. Something very similar, you know, almost happened last year before injuries kicked in when Visser was, you know, when he scored against Liverpool and he scored against West Ham and maybe Mbuma at that point wasn't doing very well. And, and Thomas Frank said, you know, I've got a bit of a decision here about do I take one of them? Who who do I keep in? Who do I take out? Do I change the system to accommodate them all? So I very much think, yes, Lewis Potter's a lot of money and some people will look at that and think he has to go into the starting 11 straight away. But I think because there's other quality, you can kind of ease him into the league and into the team without that pressure that he needs to perform straight away. So I definitely think we'll see him coming off the bench at the beginning, but I've got no doubt over the course of the season, he'll make it very clear that, you know, he needs to, Thomas Frank needs to find a system that, that enables him to start with Vissa and the Boomer, whether that's in a, a central attacking midfield role or a support striker role um, remains to be seen, but it would be fun to watch. One more question before I let you move on to others so, so that others can contribute. Um, one player that I think, you know, he's been a, a B for a long time and his passion for the team overall is, you know, apparent to anybody that watches. But with all these left wingers coming in and also Hickey coming in, playing the role that he started in last year, it almost feels like Sergio Kenyos might be the odd man out in a lot of ways. Um, like you mentioned, hoping for a deep cup run and you can never really have enough depth. But I feel like, you know, it's hard to see him getting consistent time. And I'm wondering if you all think that he'll be playing that sort of almost reserve role. Well, I think he's done it pretty much all his time at Brentford anyway. But yeah, he's um, he's a versatile player that you let go at your peril. Um, can play at any position. I think he'd play in goal if you asked him. Um also counts as a homegrown player, um, lovely, lovely temperament and personality and just really willing. Um, yeah, I, I think there's other players you get rid of, but I don't know. Jonathan, is, is he, has he stepped up? Is the, is the squad going to get better and beyond his quality? What do you reckon? I mean, if you really want to be cutthroat about it, I think Canos is he's at the bottom of the list, isn't he? When, you've, when you say all their names, you know, Whistler, Lewis, Potter... And Waymo, I think I think he's you know four fifth choice at the moment, um, and with um, Hickey at uh, fullback as well coming in, um, I think Thomas Frank also really likes Rosler. So I think all bases there were all covered, and it's going to be difficult to see where Canos at the moment kind of fits in. Um, obviously, injury suspensions do really occur, um, but yeah, I think I would be surprised if he was still a, a Brentford player perhaps at the end of the window but you you don't you don't know um I, I mean he's gone completely missing throughout pre-season I don't I don't know um if Jay might be able to um give us a little bit more information whether he's injured or that's something else but um yeah that I, I I don't I don't think he's um he's I think he's at the bottom of the of the list at the moment yeah it's pretty brutal isn't it but when you think about the quality that's just come in. But yeah, I, I think Sergi is on the hamstring list with um, Christopher Ayer. But Jay, do you want to confirm that? Yes, he is. Um, so I believe he flew... Out, I might have the timeline slightly wrong, but I believe he flew out to Germany for the pre-season training camp and then suffered a ham, hamstring injury over there, which is why he didn't play in any games. Flew back. I think he's actually been in Spain recently. Um, and after the game on Saturday, Thomas Frank said that he's back on the training pitch running, 
Um, so he'll probably be back available in, I think he said, two to three weeks. So maybe, maybe a cameo in the Fulham game is probably looking the most likely at the moment. It's a tricky one with Sergi. He's obviously a, a, a club hero who'll go down in history, the club. So it always, always feels a little bit difficult kind of determining where he kind of fits into the bigger picture. But I think, um, you know, Dapper Rapper made quite a good point and we had a similar conversation about Saman Godos in this exact same way last week. Five subs rule is it is a game changer. It gives you so many different tactical options. And we all know that Thomas Frank is a, is a coach who's unafraid to try and mix things up in the hunt for three points. He's never going to settle for, for, for a draw. And I think Sergi, with that versatility, can definitely offer, offer something off the bench this season. So I'd be reluctant to say, you know, get rid of him because I definitely think there's a there's a place for him. He still played 31 times last year. And, and, and I think Dave, as you joked, he'd, he'd probably go in goal. I definitely think he, he, he still deserves another year with the team. But whether, whether he's hit that point where he thinks and he feels that he needs to... Um, play in his preferred position. It can't be fun all the time <laughs> at right wing back coming up against teams like Arsenal and Chelsea and having to, to run backwards more than you want to run forwards. But I still think he, he can come on late in games and, and offer something a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, cheers for that Dapper Rapper. That was good. That was good. Um, the BFCB's blog, I've brought you um Do you want to jump in? Oh, yeah, thank you. Um and we th- thank you very much for these uh, for hosting these. These are, these are great. Um, I just wanted to sort of get your thoughts on some of our other midfield options. Jay, you just touched on Sam and Goddess there, and I know you discussed him last week. Um, particularly on Saturday, I think he, he comes on. Whenever he seems to come onto the pitch, he has an impact. And I'm just wondering where you think he could nail down a place where he gets regular starts. Uh, and another player I'd like to get your thoughts on is Shandon Baptiste, because... Uh, he only got five ten minutes on Saturday, but that cameo showed, I think, just what an effective ball carrier he is, and someone that can break the lines uh, and carry that ball into the box, carry the fight forward in a similar kind of way that Josh De Silva can do. Um, completely different player to say Jensen, but they all seem to be competing for one spot because Janet Norgard seemed to have those other two central midfield positions. So, just your thoughts really on those two and whether you can see them getting regular starts and, and kicking on. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to take that one? Yeah, that's, it's, that's a really, really good question, actually. Um, I think, so, in, in total, so you've, in backup, so we've got Onyeka, we've got Baptiste, we've got the Silva, and you've got Godos in there, Jensen as well. All, I think, really, all really, really good options and just shows that I think the, the squad depth, um, if all, all are fit, I think are, are really, really good options. In regards to Shandon Baptiste, what I like about him, he, he drives the ball really, really well from deep. He's, he's, he's got that sort of similar characteristics and um, traits to Joshua Silva, um, who, you know, also I think is going to have a really, really good year. Um, but again, as we said quite often, the five sub rule, it's going to be, it's going to be really crucial in the sense that, you know, what comes at 60, 60th, 65th minute, you know, that those fresh legs, when the, when the game gets stretched, um, what brilliant options to bring on with Shandon and Josh if they're not starting already. Um, I think if I if I may go on to Josh De Silva as well, um, I think he's shown like I thought when he came on as well on Saturday, I thought he showed little glimpses as well of his old self. I don't know if everyone else got that feeling, but I felt when he drove with the ball on Saturday, 
Um, I saw glimpses of Josta Silva a little bit from the Championship year, um, and he's someone that I'm, I'm as a fan, I'm, I'm rooting for him to kind of get him back to that 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 uh, pre-injury um, form. So, um, but again, yeah, fantastic options to have in that midfield berth. It's it's going to be so difficult to remove Norgard and Yenel because I do generally believe if if we were to say like going a four three three or four two three one, wherever they are the mainstays in that midfield, um, Yenel and Norgard. They're both just defensively very, very, very good and um, it will allow our attacking options to go and have that sort of freedom because they're just so good at guarding that, that back four, back five. Um, but yeah, great options to have. And again, as Jay alluded to, five sub rule, it's going to be massive. Yeah, it's going to be huge, isn't it? But I think let's drill down into Saman a little bit quickly because... As a as a guy and as a player, he's he's obviously the the he's clearly the slowest midfielder, and he's physically he's probably one of the smallest as well, similar height to Jensen. Um, you're looking at the others; they're quick guys, they're big guys, they can dribble, they can take players on. So you're kind of moving him out of the midfield, you're putting him out on the wing because you might have a bit of space out there, and then he can be crafty infield and then get you upfield. Um, I think he's going to struggle to get spots and get game time centrally. So you are looking at him being back up in that wide, that left wing-back position. But again, there's another versatile player who can play multiple positions, can play forward, can play in midfield. They're, they're probably caught in a few... Jay, do you, what do you think about Salmon? I, I hinted at... Well, I, I thought he'd be going out on loan. We, the, the whole rumours are there. Can you see him still being... Um, can you still being uh, still see him being here at the end of the at the end of the window? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think what you are guaranteed to get with Saman is just 110% commitment. And I think, again, we said this last week, it's so difficult within a football club to kind of players on the periphery who aren't getting as many minutes um, happy and so willing to kind of perform and called upon. And I think with with Saman, you've you've got a player who's willing to kind of play that 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 bench role if he likes. I think don't think we should kind of uh, look over that. And yeah, it's it's so difficult to kind of predict who's going to kind of make that midfield role their own this season. It's really there for the taking. I think it's pretty obvious that Matthias Jensen's going to start there, but he, I think certainly from from a fan perspective, probably needs to to kind of hit the ground running to really convince a few people that that he deserves that spot. And I think with with Shandon, it is just a matter of injuries because we can all see that he's. A talented player, but it's not just the injuries he's ha- he had last year, injuries he had before that. He's never, as far as I'm aware, certainly in the last few years, potentially in his entire career, never really had a season where he's just consistently played week in, week out. And so if he can get to the point where he gets a, a good run of games and he kind of gets into that rhythm and he doesn't suffer any problems, then I think, yeah, he might be that solution for that kind of that third midfield player to sit in with 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 Norgard and Jan out. But on Godos, <laughs> I, I think I make this joke probably once every month. I, I still don't know what his best position is. I don't think I think he only really comes on at left wing back when when the team are trying to trying to hunt down a draw or, or or sneak a win. It doesn't feel like that's an actual solution if if Rico Henry was to suffer an injury. So I think we need to work out where to kind of fit him in in, in midfield. And if it's just as a a replacement for Yano as a substitute late on in a game or to kind of offer something a little bit different. I certainly think he, he attacks the box in a slightly different way to some of the other midfielders, but whether that's enough to kind of get in over the others is is, is a dilemma for Thomas Frank, but all in all, definitely think he should still be kept around. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I think last week um, uh, we were taking stock and we were looking at, like, would we be happy with this squad going into the new season? And um it looks like Mikhail Damsgaard is going to be added to that to that bunch. Um, Leicester's only a few days away now, guys. Um, 
preseason's done. We're we're downhill into Leicester. How do you reckon we're feeling for it? Are we are we ready for it? Do you think this is it now? Do, if once Damsgaard's in, do you think that's it and settled? Are we ready to go, Jonathan? Um, I'm I'm confident about Sunday. I, I'm really am. I think there's no better time to play Leicester. I think with uh, they they seem to have a lot of rumblings going on with their current squad. Um, with Fafana and Madison, Kasper Schmeichel, I think, is on the way out. Um, and it's got that sort of similar Arsenal tune to it. You know, we play, probably played Arsenal at the, at the most appropriate time. You know, that first game where uh, they had quite a f- um, few injuries and obviously COVID. Um, and Leicester has that sort of similar. They, they don't seem settled. Um, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly, quietly confident about Sunday. Um, hoping for a good start. I'll take a draw now. Um, but I, th- I think we're, you know, when you hear the likes of, I was listening to a Marco Silva interview the other day, and they're saying they're not nowhere near ready. I think um, Brendan Rodgers would say exactly the same. I think there's a couple of others that have said, you know, we're nowhere near. Um, I think we're probably as good as good to go as we can be at, the, at this current stage. Um, so I, I really fancy on Sunday. Yeah, they do. That does seem. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A few rumblings there. You mentioned Fafana and Madison's rumors about him. Michael's gone. Last season, we had two really tight games with Leicester. Um, they were both pretty much decided by worldies, weren't they? You think of Tielemans, his screamer, and I think Castagna got one as well um, in the other game. Um, yeah, this channel's got a bit of stick for berating Matthias Jensen. I'm not sure why. It's all always constructive. But I think um, he played really well in one of those games. I think he's just a bit slow, just getting to Tielemans. But there's nothing really you can do about that. But just really good battles competing with him in midfield. 
um, pressing is that like um, out of possession, that left wide forward midfielder getting forward there, just doing some really good stuff. And um, I think that team we saw against Real Betis, I reckon we might have seen Frank thinking about the starting lineup he'd go in for Leicester. How would you feel about that, Joe? Do you think that's the best team? Yeah, when I saw the um the lineup for Betis, I thought, yeah, this is uh this is basically a dress rehearsal for for next weekend with the the injuries that that uh, that have kind of hit the squad at the moment. I think that's going to be the the lineup, which is maybe unfortunate for a player like Madsbeck Sorensen, who's done a done a really good job when he's kind of dropped into the team over the last year or so. But I think Ben Mee will kind of give that kind of just a bit more assurance maybe on that on that left centre back role. But yeah, I I feel quite confident about Sunday in the season in, in general as well. As as has been mentioned, Leicester seem to be in a very strange position at the moment. I still don't think they've they've signed anybody. And you know, at the end of last season Rogers was talking about how they kind of needed to reset over the summer. But it looks like they're their their captain in Schmeichel, you know, kind of got these rumours surrounding Fafana and Madison. So I think it's an opportunity for and don't think we should get to the point where we're, we're looking at le- uh, a trip to Leicester away saying we've got to get three points. But there's definitely an opportunity to to put in, a, in the very least, a good performance to get a point away from a team Brentford lost to twice last year. We shouldn't forget that one of the only teams Brentford lost to twice last year and kind of get off to a good start. Um, so it'll be interesting, but there's definitely... I think Jonathan just kind of mentioned there's parallels with the with the Arsenal game, and I, I hadn't even thought of that, but there definitely are. So expect. Um, I think I'd like to see at least a point from Sunday. Is is where I'll kind of throw my hat on it for now. Mm. Expect to see parallels with Arsenal in um, Jay's preview piece. I think that line's going. Um, the uh, <laughs> the um, the games last season were tight. They were tight. We looked a good match for them, and I think you look at you drill down into the two. Schools, this summer and you look how much we've strengthened and you look at what we can do in terms of the forward line where we probably were a little bit missing and lacking last year. This game looks like it has swung in our favour. It'd be interesting to see the um, the starting odds for this. Um, Jonathan, you excited for Leicester? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 as I said previously, I really I fancy us to go there and put, put in a good performance. I don't know if that's just, you know, the momentum that we've seen a really good performance against Betis and we're thinking, yeah, we're good to go now. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I, if anything, I'm looking at them first three games and um, quietly confident. I, I think there's points to be had there. Um, I see all three teams. Um, I don't see I don't, their squad set. I don't. I think they're perhaps a little bit behind in regards to their preparation. Um, and yeah, I, I, think, I think we're more or less good to go, albeit... Um, perhaps with one more addition to come. Um, but yeah, buzzing to get going on Sunday. I think I think we've got a really good chance. Um, obviously, try and, try and... I think if we if we were all to be really honest now, I think we'd all still take 17th and that would be a, a fantastic season. But um, yeah, just really confident. Hopefully, hope for the best and a good chance of doing well. Yeah, good stuff. Is there, if anyone else wants to add anything or jump in, um, yeah, just put your hand up and you can... Um... Direct a question to myself, Jay or Jonathan. But yeah, did it, did any of you guys catch the Phil Giles interview yesterday? Did you manage to catch it live, or have you seen it back? I did not. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't. I've not either. But more than welcome to hear the uh, the highlights. Yeah, he he was quite buoyant. I mean, he was he, he's a dry. 
very sarcastic guy. Um, he's <laughs> yeah, he's quite funny. He spoke about a transfer window and he spoke about some of the things that you'd obviously think he'd be asked. And um, he's really positive about the season. Um, thinks the squad's in really good shape. Really happy with like Thomas and the manager, as you'd expect. And it was just a really good open interview, and a few things came out of it. But um, we'll um, yeah, we'll, we'll chat about some of those as we move on. But Rich has asked to to jump up. Rich, I'll, I'll add you to the speakers. Lead, sorry, you there? Sorry, was that uh, hi, Richard? Was that my uh, opportunity to speak? Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Just uh, curious thoughts on um, Bemo last season. He seemed certainly early on, I think, you know, he'd hit the post more than anyone else in the Premier League and, you know, didn't maybe get as many plaudits as um, the main man. But he's had from what I've read, you know, an electric preseason. Does does everyone think he might see more of the highlights and more of the attention uh, this time around? Yeah, we a little bit about Mbemo earlier on, but um, yeah, happy to pick him up again. Uh, the idea with these players, like you're sort of underperforming and you're missing chance after chance, it's either luck or it's poor quality. It can't just be both forever. Um, I'm, I'm not sure Mbemo, me personally, I don't think he is going to be a player who who does convert lots of chances. I think he's an awkward guy on the ball. I think he doesn't settle well. And, and I think he does need it to be snappy and instinctive. Um, Jonathan's a little bit more hot on him than me. And I think I'm not writing him off as a player, but I think just a lot of his good work is done outside of the box. And I, I just think that the shooting is best left up to other people. But you guys, Jay, Jonathan, do you want to, do you want to um, counter that? Yeah, just, just to echo what we said earlier, I think, if Brian converts a lot of them chances that hit the woodwork last year, I think his numbers straight away look a whole different story and his perception of him on and how his performances were taken last year are probably completely different. Um, yeah, I, I think there is, there is, there's definitely a player there with Brian. I mean, the, the, the club wouldn't have given him a new four or five year contract, whatever it was last year, if they didn't see a player there with um, potential value to, to really increase. And as I, I think there's real similarities with Mimbuemo and Damsgaard in regards to, you know, there is a player with perhaps a certain value at the moment, but that potential can really, really increase and then numbers can increase and you're potentially looking at a, a 30 to maybe even a £40 million player if you get it right. Um, at the end of the day, I think I think Mimbuemo an excellent technique on his day. I just think he's perhaps more of an instinctive, centre, uh, instinctive striker who just doesn't need to have that much to think about when the ball comes to him as opposed to having two or three more touches um, where he's, you know, kind of dwelling on it a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thought process in it anyway. It'd be interesting to see what everyone else thought. I was just going to say he's, and again, we mentioned this earlier, he still is only 22 and I kind of always expect, not maybe expect is the wrong word, when you've got young players, especially in forward positions, they often are quite rash with their finishing at the beginning of their career. It's normally only as they kind of progress to maybe 24, 25, 26, 27 that you start seeing them be a lot more clinical. Um, I still believe, or, or I just believe in general, that he is the kind of player who has the potential to get double figures in goals and assists in a season if he can kind of maximise that and hit that top level. And I think with, with players like Brian, you may be to kind of pull pull it out to a wider context, look at the appointment of, of Justin Cochrane and Ben Ryan and kind of look at that and think, well, maybe they're, 
they're two people who've kind of, well, Justin in particular has kind of got a background in developing young players or younger players. Maybe he's going to have like a real impact on a player like Brian off the pitch, which is just, well, not off the pitch on the training ground. And it's just something we're never going to see. And again, with Ben Ryan, he's um, been doing a, a bit of research on him recently, but his time with, with Fiji and then England rugby sevens before them is really fascinating how we kind of got those teams to perform to, to really high levels. And when I'm looking at why those two were appointed, there's loads of different reasons, but one of them is definitely to do with how they can kind of push certain players to, to reach the next level. So I'd say that I think I'd, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if Mbumo didn't, get you know maybe seven eight goals this year and, and double his tally last year yeah that would be that would be a much better return wouldn't it we think like something like the return Whistler Whistler um, picked up just having less experience in England as well um something that went on last season that it's really hard to quantify and I don't know I don't really like going down this route but those Sunday games, there was a little bit, those like Sunday afternoon games, they, they felt a little bit more draggy and a little bit harder and the atmosphere wasn't quite the same. Whereas that opener against Arsenal, that Friday night under the lights, it was it, it was pretty mental. Um, Jonathan, do you think there was anything in those lunchtime games just being a little bit harder to come by and, and build up a bit of momentum? Um, or am I sort of barking up the wrong tree there? Uh, I think you're certainly going down the conspiracy route, but... Um... <laughs> I from, from um just from Brentford fans perspective um from what if you had to ask a Brentford fan when they would want to you probably have a Friday night game um yeah a night game you know how it was done at Griffin Park you know Tuesday under the lights was you know amazing uh Friday night um Saturday three o'clock yeah I mean maybe there's something in it I don't I don't know but um yeah, that's, that's really tough to, to ask but I think if you had to ask a lot of Brentford fans when they would rather have have a, have a game it would certainly be one of those options uh, Sunday is just always just a bit of a nightmare and you can't have too, you can't have too many pints you've got work in the next morning so um, yeah that's, that's, that's the issue Jay how about yourself am I a conspiracy theorist yeah definitely I think the only thing I'd say about Sunday is that you're probably more than likely playing a team that's in Europe um, and then just obviously, if you're playing a team against Europe, they're probably more likely to have the ball a lot. And then therefore, it, it's just a completely different um, viewing experience. And Brentford have to play in a completely, probably a far more defensive way. That's probably all I'd kind of say on that. I'm certainly not, um, you've certainly not convinced me with that conspiracy theory yes yet. I, I need to watch a few more YouTube videos on that before I'm fully, fully converted. I, I, would, I, would, I would add to that, however, um, West Ham away on a Sunday. When we played them, they I think they played on the Thursday, didn't they? And they looked knackered. I don't know where they just played, but sometimes that if we if we managed to get you know well, actually we played West Ham twice on a Sunday, didn't we? We beat them. I think when they played European football, so sometimes it can actually work in our favour a little bit um, if yeah. we get a, if we get a club that's played in Europe on Thursday. Um, so yeah, actually I will revert that that Sunday at West Ham was amazing. So yeah, bring on Sundays. <laughs> Jonathan's, um, yeah, get all our fixtures moved to Sunday now. Is there anyone else that wants to jump up and speak? Yeah, cheers for that, Rich Lee, by the way. Um, anyone else want to put anything forward? No, no. Come on, guys, don't be shy. Uh, Jay, do you want to do you want to take it in another direction? Is there anything you want to add? Uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think now. Oh, I guess I guess there's an obvious one. Um, we, you know, we've spoken about one. 
Denmark midfielder on this podcast already. So I was just I don't think we kind of got into it last last week, but I'm kind of just in intrigued to kind of know what people um how people kind of feel about the whole Christian Eriksen situation. Obviously he'll be returning next week with uh with Manchester United. Are people viewing it as fantastic a love affair, I think some people have described it as and it was it was a really fun six months, or have some people kind of swung the other way and they feel a little bit um disappointed with with how it kind of played out towards the end I'm, I'm i'm quite intrigued do people think the club are really going to miss ericsson um or have the kind of new signings kind of kind of addressed that i can obviously give my opinion as well but in, interesting to hear others as well yeah well, i'll say so because i did catch the phil giles interview yesterday I'll, I'll give his analysis on how he said the events went and it sounded a bit cold actually they gave their offer to Ericsson early on. Um, it was the, probably one of the best offers that Brentford have ever given anyone. They just left it on the table and they, we're not going to come back with loads more. This is it. If you want it, well, here we are. And then go and talk to other clubs or whatever. And it sounds like they didn't hear from him until he chose another club. And it sounded like Phil Giles was happy with that. But um, that that sounded a little bit cold to me. Um As a player, though, I've just given nothing but respect of what's happened to him and and yeah, how good he was for Brentford and, and what he did in that latter part of the season. Um, easily, by far, the best player I've ever seen at Brentford. And we've seen some, I think we've seen some exciting good players, but yeah, just a class above everything we've ever seen. Um, and yeah, I, I think he'll be missed, but we move on. Um, it's a short career. You can't really begrudge anyone from moving on and wanting to go. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be one of those that would boo him or show any antagonism to, towards him. Um just huge respect about what he's done in the game and what he what he'll continue to do. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to come up and have say a few words, Jonathan, do you want to say a bit? Yeah, just on the Ericsson bit. Um, the only thing I would say, just uh, it, the only thing that barrages me is just I just don't think he's going to get enough game time at Manchester United from a personal point of view. Um, and I thought the whole po- purpose of you know the return was for him to kind of go into firing and be playing lots and lots of games. And that that's just from my personal perspective, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, no, echoing how good he was as a football player. He was he was so, so good. And he was a turning point in, in the season, wasn't he? We were on a downward spiral when he came in um and you know fortunes, along with the injuries obviously coming back. But he was he was a fantastic player and I wish him all the best. So I I, I won't be booing him, no chance. Yeah, here, here. Uh crazy sorry, crazy bees, FPL. You're up on the speaker table. Do you wanna go ahead? Yeah, hi, uh Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I, I've got some questions uh, about midfielders. Uh, I play fantasy Premier League. I s- started last season and I had Mbumo and he was classed as a midfielder. Now he's classed as a forward. So my midfield option this season is uh, De Silva. But because he's cheap and good value, he could go up in price. But I'm thinking like he didn't get many games until the end of the season and, he's, and he was scoring goals. So is he a midfielder or a forward? Is he um, uncategorised wrong? And, you know, for the price of um, Kevin Lewis Potter, he's 5.5 million. Um, He's a bit overpriced for a player coming in from the championship and um, this Damsgaard. So who's likely to take over for Ericsson in in the midfield to pass forward? To uh, but uh, and Bubo comes back. I saw the again uh, the friendly uh, Real Betis, and he comes back to get the ball in midfield. Uh, so 
and maybe it's just FPL that's Kambumas, you know, is he a midfielder or what's Wissa what's Wissa up to? You know, is he is he gonna be a midfielder or is he a forward? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> These are life philosophical questions there, mate. Um <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know. To me, Mbemo is a forward. Um, he isn't a midfielder. He's a forward. And I think if you got him as a midfielder, then you've done pretty well because he's an attacker. A bit, a bit more advanced than that. But yeah, these, these things just, um, they're a little bit beyond me. I'm not really an FPL player. So. <laughs> I, I can give you the, uh, the answer. <laughs> go, go ahead, Joe, I, I, please. I, I'll, I'll start out with a shout out to the FPL community because I honestly yeah. think sometimes... I honestly think sometimes they're on me about injury lines than, than Brentford fans in the, in, the, in the relentless quest for points. So I'll, I'll, you've got my, my respect for that. Um, I think Mbuma played up front with, with Tony a lot last season, which is why he's kind of made that transition. But um, I think your best bet is probably to go with Visser. That, that's, that's who I would tip people because he's 5.5. He's down as a midfielder, but he'll play left wing and sometimes he'll play up front or five and Tony, depending on who's available and what team they're coming up against. And yeah, the Silvers, are. I've seen this a lot and other people have asked me about the Silver being 4.5. And yeah, the Silvers, the Silvers great value at that, but he's, he's missed a lot of the last 18 months with injury. So he, he, he will undoubtedly, I think most people expect him to come good at some point in the season, but I think it will take a few games for, for that to happen. So I hope that that answers all your FBL needs and desires. Yeah, thanks. Uh, almost. Cause I'm thinking like, um, Tony was doing the assist to Mbuma when Mbuma was taking the shots. Uh, and Mbuma, uh, Tony was the forward. But then when Ericsson came, obviously he was up front and he was getting the ball from Ericsson. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of interesting strategy and tactics. And, you know, trying to include my uh, Brentford players in the squad instead of going template and FPL and following the herd, you know. <laughs> Wisdom of the crowd always go that route, always go that way. Yeah, great stuff, Crazy Bees. Awesome. Trying to awesome promote that. Brentford on the FPL. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, cheers for that. Thanks. Yeah, Bonner, I've just brought you up into the speaker table. Do you want to have a word? Yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted to speak a little bit more on Brian and Bromer, to be honest with you as well, to what we were originally talking about with his um goal contributions and how he's gonna play uh this season. Um obviously when he first joined us back in um, 2018, 2019, something around there. You only played in a total of you know 86 games in the championship over the course, and you know 23 assists and 19 when he was playing out wide, and you know it's 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 a lot of goal contributions for a player that you know was 20 years old at the time, and you know he was, he was a very breakthrough player, and and I think the the quality um, of the Premier League obviously shows uh with the amount of goals he's only been able to do uh, only 11 in all competitions all combined with four assists and seven goals in total in the Premier League um obviously there's 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 a different learning curve for him what what would you what would you suggest is like the best way for Brandon Bomo if he wanted to you know really dig into this squad obviously there's a new way that Lewis Potter can obviously play on both sides as a right footer and as a as, as a left winger as well being able to drive at defenders, I think probably better than Brian can. And as you said, that Brian is better. You know, does both of the best stuff from outside the box. I was just wondering uh, what you think on that. Uh, yeah, there's there's a bit there. Um, I think first of all, let's talk about the championship. So the championship, you have a lot more games. We know that there's a lot more minutes available, so there's a lot more opportunity to score and do and and bulk your numbers up. So there's not really many players that don't excel in the championship, and then 
um, regress a little bit in the Premier League just because of the the, the increase in quality and um, and the less minutes available and you're always just against much better opposition. So there's going to be a shrinkage in output. But yeah, Jay, do you want to take that one on, Brian? I think you're a, I think you're a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're kind of talking there, Bonner, about um, how Brian can kind of take it to the next level. And the kind of example that's kind of popped into my head over the course of this uh, this last hour or so is um, is the Arsenal game. Um, and there was a moment in the Arsenal game, and I, to be honest, I don't think anybody will ever understand how he did it, but he somehow managed to kind of like pirouette and spin uh, in between a couple of defenders. And he... He pretty much, he didn't have an open goal, but he had a really, really good opportunity to score and he just completely snatched at it. And they're the moments where I think when you're a 22-year-old player, um, instead of just kind of remaining calm and and just and just believing in yourself and being clinical, um, you kind of maybe get maybe rush in the heat in the moment and, and you kind of snatch at the effort and, and you miss. And um, I know kind of a lot of people talking about Brian's potential and things like that, but obviously Ivan Tony's the main man, scored 12 goals in the Premier League this year, but where was, and, and this is not meant as a dig to him by any stretch of the imagination, but when he was 22, I'm pretty certain he was in League One with, I can't remember what loan it was, he went on quite a few loan spells. So it's just kind of like, give it that comparison. Maybe... Brian's kind of hit the ground early in terms of his career development. He's come through at 19, 20, 21, playing at a really high level in the championship. Maybe he's kind of hit a level for now. And maybe in the next year or two, as he can, continues to kind of collect more experience and kind of just to the Premier League level, he'll then go up another level. That's that's certainly what I expect. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with, with most of the stuff that's been said about Brian with because he's such a... He's such a young age for he's obviously a talented footballer. We know this with most of our squad of, with with the depth that we have at the moment. Now we're bringing in all these likes of replacements for Ericsson. You know, you know, a couple of years ago we in League One we never thought we'd be signing Mikel Dansgaard or a Christian Eriksen ever. But um, you know, the tables turned. You know, we, we're starting to grow as a club, and you know, it's it's really exciting to see um uh, what we're going to do on Sunday against uh, on Leicester. And I think Brian definitely has um some some sparks to fill obviously being a French international and uh coming coming up into the Premier League I think I think he's definitely got um bags of talent and I think he can do a lot to improve and definitely be a star for the majority of the season next season so yeah that's that's all I want to say on that but yeah that's just Uh, hello. Can, can oh, I... Sorry, guys, I was on mute. Uh, Alex, go ahead, mate. Hi, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry if my mic's not very good. Um, it's just on my phone. Um, but I was just listening in, and, and we, I think Jay mentioned, or someone mentioned Dervis Oglu. Um, I just wanted to touch on him because I think you, David, had talked about last week you thought he might go out on loan, but I, I remember seeing Jay say something about Thomas Frank definitely wanting him in his plans. And I just think from what we've seen from pre-season so far from him, he looks like he's going to be a really great option. 
he's just got that Premier League kind of level of touch for me and, and he can turn away from players and I'd love to see him get some minutes uh, this season. So I thought I'd, I'd put that out there and see what you guys think about that. And then also just touching on Hickey, because for me, from the Betis game, he was one of the standouts. Um, just his one-on-one defending was was remarkable. I think he, he barely let anything get by him. He was so tenacious in the tackle. And he always looked to play the ball forward. So I just wanted your thoughts on both those players and, and how they can feature this season. Yeah, I I was just um, following up on the cycle that he's had over the last few years. I I think um, they'd all like him to be around, but uh, whether there is something going on behind the scenes, whether he doesn't want to settle, but Thomas has said all the right things that he'd love to have him in his, involved in the first team and he's in his plans. So yeah, let, let's hope he is around because I think he, he would, you, you think about him different compared to all the other forwards we have, all those other wide forwards. He's a little bit craftier, isn't he? Like a little tighter control, drops a shoulder and can make space out of nothing and we know he can score goals because we've seen him do that over the years. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he is around. Um, Jay? Yeah, obviously, this was uh, something that kind of came to a head on Tuesday because um, he played for the, the B team on Saturday morning, which was a little bit of a surprise. And um, obviously, I knew I was going to ask Thomas about it in the post-match press conference after Real Betis. And... Um, as soon as I began, I began my question, Thomas just basically just started, you know, I kind of had this look in his eyes like um, like he like he, he just really wanted to address this. I asked him what, what's going on. I thought, thought Halil had had a pretty good preseason, And yeah, Thomas basically straight away said that um, Halil was, was ill before the, the Arsenal friendly last Wednesday. Otherwise, he would have played 90 minutes in that game. And that um, he, he then, as a result of that, they decided they wanted to give him 90 minutes with the B team instead of maybe 10, 15 minutes off the bench against Real Batiste. Um, about that, he was definitely in, in Thomas's plan. So after, I think, 18 months with Galatasaray and some time with, um, I think it might have been Sparta Rotterdam before then, um, it looks like, you know, he's finally going to get a kind of like a, an opportunity to break into the team. And I, I just kind of completely agree, Alex, in terms of the kind of qualities and skills that he brings. He's He's so good at kind of receiving the ball with his back to goal and kind of committing defender and spinning behind into space. And again, when we're looking at the the attacking talent that's within the team, you look at the and think about the potential ways he can combine with a, a Keen Lewis Potter, a Damsgaard or Vissa and create space for for, for each other. That's that, that's going to be really exciting. And on Hickey, you know, he was he came with a with quite a big price tag for a twenty year old, but it's because he's a he's a good quality player. You know, he's a nominee for Golden Boy Award for a reason. Um, and yeah, I completely agree. He looks really good. There's still obviously a long way for him to go in terms of fulfilling his potential. And I think I kind of mentioned it last week. There are going to be times this year where, you know, he probably doesn't have a particularly good game because he's coming up against the, the, the cream of the crop. But I think he's going to be a really, really, really quality performer for this club for, for the next few years to come for certain. Yeah, great stuff, Jay. Yeah, he can, didn't he? You saw, like, physically, he's going to be a strong boy and just going to get better and better. Um, I'm going to bring Mr. Play, the KOP enthusiast, in for the last one. You there, mate? Oh, I wasn't sure if you meant me or... Oh, sorry, Flaminista, go. You go first. Speaking <laughs> of me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I, was, I was going to, yeah. Sorry, I, I was going to speak earlier, but I wasn't sure if I, if I should or... Um, but yeah, um, hi. I uh, just wanted to. Uh, I was going to speak about Devashoglu as well, um, but since you already went over him, um, I have uh, like more for like a question for like uh, Jensen. Um, so like, generally speaking, with like Jensen, uh, obviously he joined in nineteen twenty season. Um, I quite liked him. Um, 
in his first two seasons were in the championship. Um, and then during his cameos uh, last season, at the start of the season, obviously he came back from the Euros. He was unfit. He didn't really trick season. So I could understand perhaps he's just slow to get adjusted with Premier League life. Um, but I was worried whether he would adjust to the Premier League or not. But um, in the second half of the season, I do see uh, improved, uh, you know, uh, more so in a physical sense. Um, and I, I just wanted to ask you more so, like, just, just your general thoughts on him, uh, because I do feel he's generally quite unnecessarily hated by Brentford fans. Um, and I, I've, n- I've never really quite understood it. I do feel like he's been a generally, like, steady performer for Brentford. Um, and then... Uh, I do feel that the silver should start over him, but uh, I'm I'm more open to the idea of him starting. So yeah, I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if he's hated. I, I think he's he's a victim of just his appearance, isn't he? Like he's small, um, he comes across underpowered. He, you look at some of the other guys he's playing against; they're all like six one, five eleven. Um, but he, he is a good player, I, I think. He's just a maybe slightly underwhelming, and you just want more. You're always left wanting more. Like you want more assists, you want more shots, you want more, more passing. But he does try things. Um, Jonathan, do you want to do you want to talk about Jensen a little bit? Yeah, what I would say about Jensen is that he has has mixed views. But um, if I if I take Brentford fans back to you know when Romain Sawyer's joined, and I remember you know Romain used to do things. Uh, he, he come across as quite lightweight, and he perhaps you know was trying to do that extra pass that. That, that skill, uh, but then he just grew into that 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 awesome player. And there are similarities to Sawyer's and Jensen, but Jensen is that creative football player. Um, he will look at that diagonal pass. He will look for that 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 pass that's you know we don't see. And yes, nine and maybe seven, seven times out of ten it doesn't come off. Um, I I felt a bit sorry for Jensen personally, just in that that three five two formation last year. I felt because. There were very limited options in front of him um, to pass to. I felt that his his numbers in regards to giving the ball away were perhaps a little bit higher, and he was perhaps a victim of that. Um, but I, I think Jensen's had a really really strong preseason. Um, I think he's I think he's looked really really good. I think he deserves to play on Sunday. Um, and also, I want to come back to Halil as well because he's he's a, he's a, he's been a massive talking point in the pub pre match, especially on a Saturday. Um, he's. I think he's looked really, really sharp, especially that um, Strasbourg game. This for Lewis Potter was was ridiculous. That that turn, and I think he's definitely got a part to play this year. Um, obviously, we don't really know what goes on behind in regards to. Is it a personal thing? Is it um, just just a lack of game time? So therefore, that's why he's left. But um, I think he'd be a brilliant, brilliant option. Um, especially, you know, for example, if we went to a four-two-three-one. I can. I, he looks like he can play a little bit deeper and perhaps even playing that number 10 position or uh, if he played it up front by himself, maybe then have a Lewis Potter behind who's going to make them stretching runs. I think he's a fantastic option to have in the squad. Um, and yeah, just to round off Jensen, the Fozzer clue, I think I- I'd rather have them in the squad than, than not, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I think they've certainly got their part to play this year. Yeah, thank, thank you for answering that, yeah. And uh, I definitely do agree um, in regards to uh, Halil and... Um... Uh, Matthias as well. Uh, just one, one more thing. Um, which kind of uh, Brentford B team players do you feel will have like a more of an impact this season? Because we, we we've had quite a few. I mean, every year obviously someone gets added to the Robert Rowan board, um, but more so in terms of players such as Finn Stevens, um, 
uh, who else? Uh, I'm trying to think of other players, <laughs> but um, uh, Finn Stevens, for example, like you know, those kind of players, I do feel like they'll probably get more game time in the cups, um, mostly because the ones who don't go on loan tend to play at least a few games here or there. Um, you know, the ones who graduate, such as like Cox, um, Steve, etc. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts most on like those kind of players and also anyone who you feel might be like on the cusp of being added to that board. Uh, Jay, do you want to take that one? Or I... Well, I think, yeah, go on, Jay. Yeah, I can take this one. I should probably start by saying I will have to go in about five minutes because uh, I'm off to the cinema shortly and I'm desperate to yeah, walk this, this is... train. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in terms of, of B team players, probably the, the I think three players have gone out on loan. They, are, I know they've gone out on loan, but I think they, even before they went out on loan, I think they were certainly the ones that had always caught my attention when I watched them. So I think in terms of you're looking at two, three, four years down the line, you should definitely kind of think that, that Daniel Yagok and, and Paris Magoma and Nathan Young-Coombs are potentially going to get added to the, the first team at some point. I think that's why they've, why they've gone out on loan because they need to get that regular game time. That the, the B team is obviously a really good challenge, but obviously playing in, in League 2 and I think Daniel's in League 1 with MK Dons um, is going to be a completely different challenge for them, so that's great. Um, I'm intrigued to see if Finn Stevens maybe goes out on loan in the final few weeks of the window. But actually, he's shown himself to be quite a capable um, fullback, certainly in, in, in cup competitions and things like that. And I think he could really benefit from from staying with the first team squad and picking up a few minutes here and there. And I, I don't think anybody's in any doubt that Matthew Cox is a, is a fantastic goalkeeper, that he, he helped England win the under-19 European Championships for a reason. His distribution is fantastic. But Brentford have just signed Thomas Strakosha, you know, he's been at Lazio for the last few years, a really high-quality goalkeeper. So, although, again, Cox has signed a, a long-term deal with the club, so he's going to be here for, for the foreseeable future, I don't expect he'll see much playing time this season in the cup competition simply because of the, the quality that, that Strakosha offers. And Strakosha is going to be pu- pushing Raya um, for the number one spot. So it's hard to see where Cox kind of fits equation, but it's still good to have him around the squad. And then also... In t- so the B team obviously has gone through quite a lot of change. So there are quite a lot of players left in the summer. So of the players who are still there at the moment, most of them are probably in the beginning of their time with the with the club. But the ones who've probably done those really, really well in, in pre-season are people like um, Tristan Kramer, who, who went out to, to Germany, Ryan Trevitt as well. And then Alex Gilbert was on loan at Swindon for a little bit last season. But every time I watch the B team play, Alex Gilbert always looks very good. Yeah, wonderful stuff, Jay. Cheers. Thanks a lot. I think that's a good point to wrap up, guys. And we've just overrun a little bit. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for Jay and Jonathan for joining us and um all of you guys who've contributed and listened. It's been brilliant. Yeah, we'll try and we'll try and make these regular and we'll try and keep these going. But yeah, Jay, thanks very much. Um Jonathan, you too, brilliant, mate. Cheers. A big shout out to uh Bob the Kitman. I see you listening. Well, I won't sing the song, but I love you, bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wanted to bring him up as a speaker, but I I think he's too shy. Thanks again for for tuning in, everyone. Um, You know, really great feedback. So we'll we'll try and do it as as often as possible. I'm sure I'm always happy to do this kind of stuff. Great stuff. Okay, guys. Yeah, on that note, cheers again for listening. And um, we'll catch you next time. See you later, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.